This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. Cardinal Pell hasn't been gone for much more than a week, but the attacks against his memory are coming already. We expect that from secular media who use these stupid, dumb accusations against him to smear him. Accusations that I will remind you are so laughably false and physically impossible to have been real once you actually look at what is said against him, that the moves against Pell could only have been done as an attack on the faith and on the orthodox faith at that. But plenty of Catholics bought into them anyway because they trust our rulers just way too much. But today we're talking about attacks leveled against him, not from the secular world, from within the church itself. Cardinal Pell has been turned into something to attack traditional Catholics with, and the attacks come from one of the more well-regarded Catholic mainstream writers, Robert Mickens, who subtly accuses Pell of numerous things against the faith itself. So let's get a closer look at this story because it was published on an enormous platform. Headline from LaCroix, the official Catholic media outlet of the French bishops, though this comes from the English website. Pope Francis's fiercest opposition, the church's clerical workforce, Although two of their heroes have now died, the bishops, priests, and seminarians who don't like Francis are still alive and determined to resist Pope's reforms. Now, that's not kind of an ominous headline, honestly. Benedict was a symbol of resistance to Francis, though. Whether or not he, there was any merit to it, he was a symbol of that. Cardinal Pell was something else entirely. And Robert Mickens, the author of this article, doesn't hold back in essentially calling him a coward, among other things. In March of 2022, a letter circulated among the cardinals in Rome, laying out a plan for choosing the next pope to correct the numerous errors of this alleged pontificate and how to get their preferred person into the papacy without naming who that was. The letter wasn't in any way subtle, but it was written by an anonymous cardinal and was signed with a pen name Demos. After Cardinal Pell passed away, it was revealed that Demos was in fact Cardinal Pell, which at the time many suspected, but Honestly, at least to me, seemed too ridiculous to be true because Pell on numerous occasions expressed his love and fidelity for Francis, but it did turn out to be true. Mickens doesn't hold back in his article, though. The point he is making is that he expects resistance to Francis to get worse, despite the losses to the anti-Francis forces in the church. This is, unfortunately, but, but as is expected, framed in explicitly political language because in this time of apostasy, everything in the church has become political, and I do mean everything. That having been said, from the article, quote, Commentators of every school, if for different reasons, with the possible exception of Father Spadaro S.J., agree that this pontificate is a disaster in many or most respects, a catastrophe. Thus spake George Pell. The Australian cardinal who died, of a, who died on January 10th has been described by friends and admirers as a, quote, great leader, a, quote, white martyr, and, quote, courageous. And, what, and when Pell leveled the, that attack against Pope Francis less than a year ago in a lengthy screed that he sent to all the church's cardinals, he, just show, he showed just how courageous he really was by issuing, it, by issuing it under a pseudonym. It was published last March by Italian journalist Sandro Magister, who after Pell's death revealed that this, quote, memorandum on the next conclave was indeed the cardinal's handiwork. Among other things, it lambasts the Jesuit Pope for causing confusion. Quote, Previously it was Roma Locuta, causa finita est. Today it is Roma Iacquator, 
confusio agitor, Hell says. And he criticizes the Pope for remaining silent on a number of moral issues, including the church in Germany's push to bless James Martin pairings, ordain women priests, and offer communion to the divorced and remarried. The Cardinal was 81 when he died, and thus he was already disqualified from participating in a conclave to choose Francis's successor. But that did not stop him from trying to influence the process, as the purpose of the memorandum makes clear. In fact, Pell was one of the main ringleaders among those in the hierarchy who quickly soured on the Argentine Pope. The big and blunt Australian led the quiet behind-the-scenes effort to identify a Papa Bile successor who, as he notes in the memorandum, would, quote, restore normality, restore doctrinal clarity in faith and morals, restore a proper respect for the law, and ensure that the first criterion for the nomination of bishops is acceptance of the apostolic tradition, end quote. Oh, the horror, making sure that bishops will actually do their job. Anyway, note that ba he basically calls Pell a coward for writing under a pseudonym, and that's actually what he does. It's a pretty disgusting thing to say about someone recently deceased, but that's par for the course at this point when it comes to modernist discourse. Also, there is, an, there is also a subtle attack on Pell in there as well. Trying to influence a conclave can actually invalidate the conclave. It's against canon law. Retired cardinals can assist at the conclave, but they can't participate. And trying to plan and plot for a conclave ahead of time is prohibited by canon law. It's explicitly prohibited. In fact, perhaps ironically, this is one of the charges made against Francis by some Benny Plenis to say that because planning for the conclave in 2013 happened in the way Pell described in that letter, for the as-yet-to-come conclave, the choosing of Francis by the cardinals was invalid because it violated canon law. I will leave that up to canon lawyers to decide the validity of the argument there, but there is a subtle dig at Pell in that statement nonetheless, and it shouldn't be overlooked. The attack on Pell turns into an attack on young clergy, on seminarians, and yes, on you and I, described as, quote, doctrinally inflexible. I hope to use that as my epitaph one day. I can't think of a finer label to have our adversaries bestow upon us. Doctrine is true or it is not true. It can't be flexible. Otherwise, it's not a doctrine. It's just guidelines or worse, just opinion. But Mr. Mickens' attack on seminarians and clergy is a sign of hope for those of us hoping for a restoration of the faith in the church. Quote, the late cardinal had a loyal following that includes traditionalist and the doctrinally inflexible, certainly in the English-speaking world, especially among the younger clergy and those who are being prepared to join their ranks. He states this quite matter-of-factly in his diatribe against the current pope. The Holy Father has little support among seminarians and young priests, he claims. There is, of course, ample anecdotal evidence and even certain surveys that support this. Pell says that this, quote, widespread disaffection exists in the Roman Curia as well. This poses a major problem for Pope Francis and his vision for reforming the church. While most ordinary Catholics around the world are probably not emotionally or ideologically invested by the, in the same issues or concerns that so troubled Pell, and while these Catholics generally have a favorable or even highly favorable view of the current Pope, it will be extremely hard to implement Francis's vision and reforms if the church's clerical workforce is not on board. End quote. He's not wrong there. If the 
if the priests don't buy into what he's doing, they'll just ignore what he wants. Now, he goes on to describe this opposition as an opposition to spreading the gospel. A key feature, he says, is that it's an all-male, all-clergy group opposed to Francis, and that's nonsense on stilts, but by being opposed to Francis, they're opposed to spreading the gospel. That's a curious statement, made all the more curious by Mickens citing the synod on synodality as some great event in the life of the church that will overturn these archaic values and enliven the gospel. It's nonsense, bordering on blasphemy, but this is what the modernist mind does when confronted with opposition to their diabolical program. They, well, they accuse others of what they themselves are doing, and they use the values of the secularized world as a cudgel to make the argument. I mean, that's, they're pitting men versus women here. I mean, that is the classic thing the secular world does in our time. Mickens is doing exactly that here. He isn't content just to slime priests, seminarians, laity, and the memory of Cardinal Pell either. He brings in one of the few remaining beloved conservative bishops who is almost but not quite a traditionalist himself and who is widely regarded among traditionalists, Cardinal Robert Seurat. For whatever reasons, Mickens brings up something Cardinal Seurat said about one of his fondest memories of Benedict's the 16th pontificate, a 2009 meeting of priests with the Pope. For some reason, this bothers Robert Mickens a lot. I can't tell you why, but here it is. Quote, Cardinal Robert Seurat, the 77-year-old retired Vatican official from Guinea and another traditionalist icon, revealed just how much the current clerical model is cherished as he shared his memories about Benedict XVI with the French daily Le Figaro immediately after the late Pope's recent funeral. I remember the year for priests that he decreed in 2009, Seurat began. The Pope wanted to underline the theological and mystical roots of the life of priests. And then the Cardinal vividly recalled the, quote, magnificent vigil in St. Peter's Square to conclude the year-long event with these words, now quoting Cardinal Seurat at length, quote, The setting sun flooded Bernini's colonnade with golden light. The square was full. But unlike usual, there were no families and no nuns, just men, just priests. When Benedict XVI arrived in the Pope Mobile, with one heart, everyone began to acclaim him, calling him by his name. It was striking to hear all these male voices chanting Benedetto in unison. The Pope was very moved. When he turned back to the crowd after stepping onto the stage, his tears were flowing. The prepared speech was brought to him, which he left aside, and he freely answered questions. What a wonderful time. The wise father teaching his children. It was like time was suspended. Benedict XVI confided in them. That evening he had definitive words on priestly celibacy. Then the evening ended with a long moment of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. A wonderful time indeed. Just men, just priests, and among them, admirers of cardinals such as Pell. Seurat and a number of priests, just men, just priests, those who form the stiffest opposition to Pope Francis. Yes, this last part is Mickens himself and his effort to reform the church. End quote. Oh no, how very dare Benedict meet only with priests and Pope as Pope, right? How dare he? Mickens is using secular logic to claim that only men oppose Francis, which isn't even true anyway, and it's not even remotely close to true. There are no shortage of women religious and laywomen who speak against the errors of this presumed pontificate. As an anecdote, for the first couple of years that I was on YouTube, my audience was actually about 55% women and usually a little bit older too. That has since shifted in the other direction, but I can tell you that there are 
plenty of women tired of the modernist nonsense in the in Rome, tired of the modernist drivel coming from Francis, and they don't fit any of the descriptions and invectives used by Mickens in the article, except for one, that they are traditionalists or traditionally leaning. But that's kind of the point here. The author is sacrificing honesty and reality to drive a wedge between moderate Catholics and especially women and the traditionalist movement. There is a perception the traditionalist movement is largely male. Pay attention the next time you're at Mass. You will probably, if you go to a traditional parish, you'll probably see how true that is not. Now, LaCroix is widely read outside of France and is one of the more widely read English-language Catholic websites in the world. Their English edition is, of course. This article is aimed squarely at people who sympathize with us, but still feel bound in some way to Francis, to fidelity to him, and toward the state of things in the church. The one thing I will give Mickens credit for here is not bringing up the nonsensical allegations against Cardinal Pell, which were so obviously stupid when they were first leveled against him that only someone who is either predisposed to hating Catholic clergy in the faith would believe them, or someone who just was not familiar with what it's like to serve at a bishop, archbishop, or cardinal's public mass. I will give Mr. Mickens credit for that, despite the venom he aimed at traditional Catholics who simply want the same faith our ancestors had, that unchanging, timeless faith, and we aren't getting that right now. Call us doctrinally inflexible if you want. We'll take that as a compliment, right along with being called rigid. The church is not some group devoted to the worship of a pope, and the pope is not to be treated as if he is a divine oracle sent from on high, chosen by the Holy Ghost. The church never taught those things. What it has taught is that the Pope is supposed to safeguard the deposit of the faith. He is supposed to spread the gospel. And he's supposed to, in general, correct errors and promulgate clear teachings on disputed doctrine. We've had none of those things under Francis, and more than calls his validity into question. What do you think about this? Are you surprised at all that Cardinal Pell was attacked and then used as an attack against traditionalists. Despite his not even having been one himself, Cardinal Pell was used as a cudgel to slam seminarians, priests, and laity in the most secular terms imaginable, as in a clear attempt to divide us. Are you surprised by this? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As does sharing this on social media, that helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.